You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. Today we're wrapping up the series on Colossians. I really enjoyed just working our way through this book and getting into it. We're going to be doing more of this definitely throughout different books over uh, the year and the years to come. But, um, you know, I think about the fact that many of us probably would say, when it comes to sharing my faith, sometimes I feel like I just get stuck, you know? I try to, I try to make a move, and I just kind of feel like I get stuck in really advancing or getting anywhere in it. Um, my wife and I were able to speak at a conference back in November up in Connecticut, and we were on our way up, and I start to feel that scratch on my throat, you know what I mean? Like, like oh, no, here, here comes the sickness. And so as we got closer to the day we were going to be doing it, I, like, I had basically lost my voice. And so at that point, you're like living on Luden's cough drops, you know, which actually don't do anything medically. They're just comfort food for when you're sick, you know. And so you're pounding a bag of Luden's cough drops. And um, so I'm, I'm there like, you know, trying to interact with people. And I've got these cough drops in my pocket. And it's just awkward, you know, like you take them out, you unwrap them, the whole deal. And so my wife says, oh, I have a perfect, you know, plan for that. Like what you got to do is unwrap it first. You unwrap it first and you can just grab it when you need it and just pop it right in your mouth. I'm like, that's brilliant. So I unwrap like three or four of them and I put them in my pocket, right? And then I'm like in the middle of like one of the messages and I just reach my hand in and they had all melted to each other and the pocket and now my hand is literally like stuck in the pocket. And so after the service, Kelly goes, oh, wasn't that a great plan? Didn't that work out so well? I was like, no, my whole pocket is sticky mess. She's like, okay, Doug, you're supposed to like unwrap it, but not take the wrapper off it. Like you open it, you know, you don't fully disengage the wrapper. And I was like, well, that would have been smart for me to realize a little bit earlier. But sometimes we kind of feel stuck, you know, like I would love to share my faith. I'd love to get the word of Jesus out. I would love to tell people about how good God is. I'd love to pray for, you know, even a stranger, somebody that just meet or someone in my workplace or school, but I just really feel like I get stuck. So we're going to talk about that here today. I want you to leave with some practical know-how, how, how, how you share your faith, what you do say, what you don't say, a starting point. Um, even before we start, are there certain things that should be important to us and we should be mindful of? So we're going to be jumping into that today. Uh, let's review where we've been, though. Week one, we talked about the fact that prayer is such a big deal. And we've been praying, oh God, your will be known and done. And I pray that in the last six weeks since we started this series, you've been praying that. I pray that that will continue to be a theme of our prayer as Living Word Church members, oh God, your will be known and done. Then in week two, Kelly did an amazing job just sharing about the preeminence and the amazingness of Jesus and, and just encouraged us to, to hold fast to Jesus. In week three, we talked about the lies that assault our mind and how we have to continue to cling to truth. In week four, we talked about how Jesus came to set us free from spiritualism and legalism and mysticism and all those works in and of ourselves that we try to do. And how he's come to really give us life and freedom. Last week, we talked about love. If I was going to sum it up in one word, love. How we're to love one another here in this place, right here. How we love, with, love one another and bear with one another and forgive one another and, and put on compassion and humility and gentleness. And we also talked about how we're to love within the context of our home. Spouses. Parents, children, children, parents. And so today we're really going to turn the corner. Paul last week talked about how we interact with people in this room and in our home. And now he's going to talk, talk about how we interact with people outside of these walls. And so today we're going to really head there. And, um, you know, Paul really jumps into the uh, just understanding of what it looks like to have just an attitude. Like if we could leave here even just with like an attitude of 
oh, this is how I approach people who don't know Jesus. This is how I interact with them and converse with and things I do and don't do. That would be huge, just a frame of reference for us. And this is important. We talk about this a good bit here at church because it's such a big deal. I just want to let you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's your job. It's our job, not my job, not the staff's job. That's part of my job, but our job to spread the word of Jesus and spread the hope of God. And so we're going to talk about that here today. Kelly at The Last Deeper shared a really powerful message about getting the message of Jesus out and about the the role God's given us to to do this. And so today I just hope to really follow up with that and just give you guys some some clarity and, and equip you to do that in a powerful way. But I would say most of us put ourselves in some categories of faith sharing, okay? I would say some of us are the avoiders. Everybody say avoiders. If you're watching online, just type avoider in the chat there. We, we avoid two things. We avoid either the people who don't know Jesus or the conversation about Jesus, right? Some of us just avoid the people altogether. It's like, I, I can't mess it up if I don't know anybody who doesn't know Jesus, right? Or listen, this is big. Sometimes we avoid the people because we've allowed ourselves to be scandalized by things they do. We have to be so careful. That's not how Jesus did it, and that's not how he calls us to do it. And if we remember, we fall short ourselves too, don't we? And so avoiding the people is not the way. Avoiding the conversation is another thing we sometimes struggle with, isn't it? I'll hang out with the people, but I'm not going to talk about God. I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I'm not going to pray for anybody. I'm just going to keep it kind of surfacey or away from that topic because that's kind of off limits. And so the avoiders, but avoiding is not the way where to go forward. The second category is the confronters. Everybody say confronters. So this is when we kind of see things that we uh, don't agree with or we get angry with and, and we begin to just confront, 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 confront. Now listen, there's a time to speak up for truth, of course, right? Absolutely. If you were here last week, you know we spoke some hard truth even, right, about different things that God's word says that are not culturally acceptable. But, but we're going to continue to look to the word of God and we're going to take it for what it is as God's word, right? And so that's really important. But we have to be so careful that we don't become the moral police. Kelly said a few weeks ago at Deeper, she said that, you know, we can't be shocked when sinners sin, you know? Like, we can't become these people who decide, like, oh, I am the authority on what is good and what is bad, and, and even looking to God's word and saying, okay, God is the authority on what is good and what is bad, but, but how do we portray the message to them? How do we get them into a relationship with Jesus? Is it through, like, beating them up, beating them up, beating them up? No, see, we saw in week four that there's a difference between outward restriction and inward transformation, right? Outward restriction doesn't change anybody, right? Why are prisons full today? Because outward restriction doesn't change anybody. Rules are important and laws are important. Thank God for them, right? But at the end of the day, they don't transform a heart. We need God to transform us from the inside out. Another, some of us are in another category. And then here's the category. You're living this pretty well. Like you're a bright shining light in our community. You're, you're living for Jesus out there. You're sharing your faith. You're praying for people. You're encouraging people. You're engaging in conversations in healthy ways with people. Keep going. I pray this encourages you here today. Now, I know the preachers love to say that this is one of the most important things we could talk about, right? Probably every Sunday, the preacher wants to get up and be like, this is the most important thing. But truthfully, this is. This is our job. As followers of Jesus, this is who we are, and this is what we do. 
I want to say throughout the message today, we're going to use this language because it's the language that Paul uses. He talks about insiders and outsiders. And I don't want you to think that outsiders is like this derogatory term, like, oh, where are a bunch of insiders here in the church, but they're the outsiders as if they're outcasts or something. No, that's not the language. Literally, it's just we're inside these walls right now and they're outside those walls. So it's not a derogatory thing as we talk about insider, outsider. And if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, first off, let me apologize to you. Let me say, I'm so sorry if somebody avoided you. I'm so sorry if somebody who knows you that knows Jesus avoided talking with you about their relationship with God. I'm so sorry if you feel like all you've been is confronted, 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 and, and you know, um, people have been scandalized by your behavior, and that's just not the heart of Jesus. So let me start there. But let me also say that you're going to see today a God who's merciful and loving and compassionate and forgiving and longs to have a relationship with you. And I don't want you to feel weird that you're here today because you're like, all right, this guy's talking about how we're to impact people who don't know Jesus and I don't know Jesus. So what does that mean for me here today? Well, you're going to see today, again, a God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. And our heart to get this message out isn't so that we'll just win the world over to people who think like us. No, our heart to get this message out is this has changed everything for us. This changed everything for me. This morning in our prayer time before service, one of our team members prayed out, God, I don't know how anybody does this without you. I don't know how anybody does life without you. And so that's why we want to get this message out. Because we believe this is the life-changing, amazing grace and forgiveness of God who wants to have a relationship with, one that, with us that just transforms everything. So that's our heart here today. All right, everybody say Colossians. So we're going to get into this last part of Colossians, and it's often said, right, when somebody says something kind of like near the end of a conversation or near the end of a letter, or like they're often wanting you to really remember that, right? Like before Jesus ascended, what did he say? Go and make disciples and baptize and disciple, right? So like that was a big deal. Like right before Jesus ascends, that's what he says, and right as Paul ends this letter near the end, this is where he takes it. And so he says in Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door. Everybody say door. That's an important word here. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. Paul's asking for prayer. Now, if you remember, I know you remember everything I say every week, right? So back in November, we looked at a few of these verses, but we're going to go deeper into them today, and we're going to look at the verses after them as well. So some of this is going to be reinforcement, and some of it's going to be brand new information. I pray that it encourages you guys. But Paul is asking for prayer that the door would be open. Now, why would you need a door to be open? because it's currently closed, right? I have an issue with closed doors in life. I'll just tell you a little habit, okay? My bad habit is I'm always just like on the move at such a speed and a pace that I rarely get the door open before I run into it, right? A little bit of an issue. This was a real problem at the old building. How many of you guys were at the old building on, on 347 ever? Just raise your hands real quick. Which is really cool that many of you have been there, but it's also incredibly cool to me that so many of you haven't. How many new people have been around and joined us since we've been here at the school? But at the old building, my office was upstairs, and so, like, you know, I'd look at my watch and be like, oh my gosh, service is going to start in a minute. And I'd go flying down those steps, and then everyone in the lobby would just hear like a dud, you know, me running into the door, a little knot on my head. Just this past week, I dropped my wife and daughter off at the doctor's office. My daughter was going for physical therapy. She's crutching her way in, right? And then I'm going to go park and then go meet them. And so I go into the physical therapy office, and I look at my wife, and she's just smirking. 
And uh, she's like, what, what happened out there? And I'm thinking to myself, you know what happened out there. I'm like, I ran into the door again. She's like, yeah, I thought so. You know, like just clear on smash into the door on my way in. And so this is an issue for me. I need an open door. And listen, in the lives of the people that God's placed in our lives, family, school, work, people in our neighborhoods, right? These are people who there currently is a door closed. We've got to be praying for them. We've got to be praying that those doors become open and that their hearts become soft and their ears are attentive to the things that God wants to do in our lives. So if you have a starting point today, it's, man, let's be praying for people to come to know Jesus. Let's be praying that God will use it all. In fact, you know that person that you're praying for because they're sick right now? Keep praying they'll get healed, but also pray they'll get saved if they don't know Jesus yet. You know that person you're praying and their marriage is falling apart? Keep praying for their marriage. But if they don't know Jesus or if they're far from Jesus now, pray that God will reach them. Every prayer we pray can really end with, and oh, Jesus, let them know you. Or if they already know God, let them know you deeper, right? So that's where we start. Oh, God, open door. Open their heart. Let them see who you really are. Verse 4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Look at me in the eyes real quick. Every Christian. Everybody say, Every Christian. Every Christian should be able to share the message of Jesus. Every single one of us. I want to equip you today with just a really simple formula. My son is a math major. He wants to be a math teacher. He's really good with formulas. Uncle Doug, not so much, okay? I'm not great with that stuff. But I want to give you a simple formula today to help you know how to share your faith, all right? And it just goes like this. Jesus' story plus my story. Simple starting point. Some of us don't know where to start. Do I start with the Old Testament? Do I go to the New? Do I have to know like this theology and that theology? Hey, the more theology we know, great. But a great starting point is just, hey, I'd love to share with you the most important thing in my life. It's Jesus' story and my story, right? It's Jesus' story. Well, God loved us so much that Jesus came to rescue us. We were lost in our sin. And Jesus died on a cross and he rose again. And he wants a relationship with us now. There's Jesus' story. What would that take, about eight seconds? right? What a great starting point. Plus my story. And before I knew God, man, my life was such a mess. I'm not perfect now, but man, I see God making a real difference. And here's some ways he's making a difference. Your story, right? Everybody say Jesus story plus my story. That's a great starting point. Get into the conversation. But Doug, what about all the objections and the questions and all the, yeah, we'll get to that. But this is our job, everybody. God wants every one of us to know how to share our faith and proclaim it clearly, as Paul says, as I should. Let's go on. In verse 5, sorry, yeah, verse 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Everybody say wise. Man, that that would be our whole demeanor. I want to be wise in this. I don't want to just respond. I don't want to just react. I don't want to come out swinging, right? I want to be wise. But they came back at me with an argument and they were so antagonistic. Okay. But we're going to be wise. We're going to come at this differently. But this is my kid. All right. We're going to be wise. But this is my grandkid. They came home from college and they had all these new ways of thinking. And at the dinner table at Christmas, they just spewed all this stuff. And I just, ah, I just let them have it. No. Wise. Wise. See, here's the deal. A lot of us have a grandkid far from Jesus, a child far from Jesus, a spouse far from Jesus, a parent far from Jesus. A lot of us know a really religious person who wants nothing to do with Jesus. A lot of us know somebody who once came to church and seemed to love God, but they've run 
I want you to see as we continue to go here, God reaches all those people. And so we stay wise in how we interact with those people. Just the fact that Paul says that we are wise in how we interact with them means we interact with them. We're not avoiders. We don't avoid people. Now listen, if you can't hang out with a certain group without being dragged into all kinds of stuff you shouldn't be doing that goes against your relationship with Jesus, then step away from that. But I think too many of us avoid simply because that person's going to disagree with me or that person might say something that I don't like or they might do something I don't like. Jesus was this amazing master, wasn't he, of walking with people who 100% disagreed with him and live lifestyles 100% different from what he would say is good and pure and true. But he still walked with them. We're going to continue to get into that. But we have to be so careful about this, that, that we are wise in the way we act. Let me give you a couple of examples of what's not wise, okay? Um, as Kelly said a few weeks ago, becoming the moral police is not wise. That's not what changes hearts, right? We have to be just so gracious in our approach and in the way that we talk with people. We can't become the moral police. I think another way is that we have to live differently than they live. Sometimes I think the lie is, oh, you just should just like do everything that people know, you know, people who don't know Jesus do, and then they'll be like attracted. Like, you know, it's like, no, I don't think that's what, the, what attracts them. Like if we're watching all the same movies and, and going to all the same places and spending our money in all the same ways and we treat everybody the way they treat everybody and we talk the way they talk, I don't think anybody goes, oh, there's this amazing difference in your life. I'd love to hear about this Jesus, right? No, there's got to be a difference. And we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But I pray that the way I treat my wife and my kids, though I don't always do that correctly, would impact my neighborhood. I pray that the way that I use my speech is going to impact people that I come into contact with. That just, hey, we live in New York. Just being nice to somebody, right? Let's just try that. Can we start there? I mean, it's, real, it's, it's, it's a real low first step, right? Let's just be kind to people. You're going to stand out in New York, right? Just loving on people and being kind, uh, holding the door for somebody and thanking them as they hold the door for you. Like, did you ever just have your day made by that? I was walking into a restaurant the other day, and this guy just like held the door next to you like seven seconds as I'm walking up. I'm like, my faith in humanity is restored. You know, like it just does something for you, but just to represent Christ well. So living differently. And I think the other thing is that we don't allow ourselves to be scandalized by them. How could Jesus walk with those 12 men who were a mess? As you read the Bible, the disciples were such a mess. I don't think any of us would have kept walking with these 12 men thinking they're going to become something, man. You know, God, watch what happens. It was like failure after failure after failure after failure, and Jesus is just not scandalized by it. And then he's hanging out with prostitutes, loving them and showing them mercy and grace. And yet they're drawn to him. They're like They want to spend time with Jesus like that. If there's anything I could aim my life at, you know, I spend the next however many years I've got just figuring that dynamic out. How do I, how do I live and walk with people who think complete opposite of me and they're somehow drawn to the Jesus in me, man? If we could nail that one. Forget the property up the street. We're going to need a stadium, right, to, to reach all the people that God wants to bring in. I love this next part. Make the most of every opportunity. And this is just so practical, isn't it? Like Paul's just saying, don't miss an opportunity to share your faith or to pray for somebody. Um, this past week, my family was changing our internet service from one provider to another. And I won't tell you which was which, but we were leaving one that kind of sounds like octagon. And we were 
getting a one that rhymes with Verizon. And so the Verizon guy was there, and as he's there, um, God just begins to put on my heart. I mean, he's there for like two hours, so we're just talking at different points. Like, just, just, just pray for this guy. You know, why, Doug, why wouldn't you pray for this guy? You know, why wouldn't you just ask him if there's anything you can pray for? And immediately, because I'm just like you, the objections start to come up. And ah, I feel stupid, and what if the guy, you know, what if he's this, that, or the other, and it turns into whatever, and you know, and, and just all the objections come up, just like it happens in probably all our lives, right? And so the time's going on, and I just began to, like, just pray. Like, God, just give me boldness and wisdom in this, you know? And so uh, it came to the end of the thing, and, and he was about to leave, and I just, I just said, hey, man, like, question for you. You can 100% say no, but is there anything I can pray for you about? And he just looked back at me, and he was like, yeah, you can pray that they never find your body. And he took his drill, and he, no, no, he didn't, he, he didn't do any of that, right? No, he, he looked back, and he actually said, no, I'm good. And that was that. And immediately I felt dumb. I was like, ah, man, like God, you kind of put on my heart to pray for this guy. And then he turned it down and shot it down. And, 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 and that, those are the moments that I think make us withdraw back, right? Like, see, that's why I don't share my faith. That's why I don't pray, right? But I just think about it. I don't know how God used that, right? Like, who knows if just asking him meant something, who knows if I run into him at the gym or the deli or a bagel shop or something again? Or who knows if the guy after me or the woman after him at the next stop of his day also asked if they could pray for him, right? It's like a whole lineup of his day. I'm guessing by the end, he's like, pray for me. Yeah, like, please, right? I'm thinking about breaking my router so he'll come back and I'll have another. But just those moments of making the most of every opportunity. And then I love this. And this, we looked at this verse in depth just a few months ago. You'll probably remember a little of this. I hope you do. Verse six, let your conversation be always full of grace. Everybody say grace. Okay, say grace again. All right, good. So grace here in the Greek, if you'll remember this, is the, is the phrase attractiveness, a winsomeness. It's a quality of drawing somebody in. And I love the fact that Paul leads with this. And then he says in the next part, so let it be full of grace. And then it says this, seasoned with salt, which if you look into the Greek is the same exact meaning. It brings us back to winsomeness and attractiveness and drawing someone in. So Paul is using a plan words here. He's literally saying, let's use some grace. And while we're at it, season in some grace. Like that's what he's saying. I wonder why he says it twice. Probably because we need to hear it. And he knows that our go-to is not grace. Our, our go-to is, is defense, is, is confront, is you know, lay into him. And I just love that it says, let's get grace literally on top of grace. The other day, my 14-year-old son was making some chocolate milk. And I, you, you know when like the, the, the thing's out and, and, and he's still squeezing and you just hear like, you know, like nothing coming out. And so I went over to him and, and I see him trying to get this last little bit in his milk. He loves chocolate milk. And so he takes the thing, he takes the syrup thing and he just starts to shake it like this with the top open and there's syrup flying everywhere. You know? So I said, give me that for a second. And he goes, dad, there's nothing left. And I was like, Watch my ways. And so I closed the lid and I just, I did what he was doing, just going like this without the top open. Though. And right. And so I, I hold it over and, and I just open the thing, just chocolate syrup, just pouring out, pouring out to the point that he goes, okay, dad, that's enough. Dad, that's enough. And at this point I'm like, oh no, you're going to get everything in this thing, right? I'm just going chocolate milk on top of chocolate, right? Syrup on top of syrup, right? And that's Paul's thing. Let's just overwhelm this with grace. Overwhelm your conversation with grace. You know, if we leave with just that mindset today, I think it's worth our time. That my whole attitude and approach is going to be gracious. 
is going to be graceful. Again, some of you are nailing this. Many of you are living this, and some of us really struggle. And some of us are getting it right sometimes and really struggling at other times. As I said last week, sometimes the hardest place to live this is around the people that we're closest to. For some of us, man, it's, it's when our kid comes home with you know, some thought, some, something that's just so anti-Jesus, and it's like we, just, we, we love them. We love our kids so much, our grandkids so much, our spouse so much that we, we jump on it, and there's no grace. It's in that office situation, right, that, that scenario, and somebody just, man, I mean, I get it. We all live in the same world. People are antagonistic, and, and they can mock us, and they can make fun of us, and it's you know, not always that you're like, Doug, real easy. Yeah, Jesus' story plus my story. That sounds so great and easy and tidy, but, but it's not always that simple, is it? But if we can go in with a heart of just grace, I think that is what wins people, wins people over in time. And he says, so that you may know how to answer every one. Everybody say, answer, not argue. If you're watching online, tap in, type in, answer, not argue there on the chat. Jesus was the master at answering not arguing. In fact, the people he argued with were who? The, the Pharisees, the religious people, right? The, the legalists were the ones he argued with. It wasn't the, the lost lost. It was the lost in their religion that he argued with, that he you know, got heated with. And so just being so careful to answer and not argue, and I think to answer means we first have to listen, right? And somebody once said that to, to really listen means that you could explain the other person's perspective from their point of view. So a great way to do this is just you're having a conversation and somebody brings up this, you know, objection to Christianity. And it's like, okay, so if I'm hearing you correctly, this is what you're saying, right? Like, that's gracious. And that draws people in as opposed to cutting them off. And here's the seven reasons why you're wrong right away, you know, and I think, too, some of us don't share our faith because we know we don't have all the answers. Hello, welcome to Christianity. None of us have all the answers. And it's great at times to be able to just say, that is such a good question. I'm going to get back to you on that. And then follow through with it. That's such a good question. You bring up a great point. Just saying that alone is gracious, right? And saying, I've never thought about that way. Or I'll look into that. I'll, I'll talk with somebody who may know the answer to that. Or I'll connect you with somebody. You know, I do that all the time here at church, by the way. You know, somebody will come in with a question about something, and I'm like, oh, man, I know, yo, Tim Fox knows all about that, or Joe Levante, man, he loves the Old Testament, let's connect him there. Man, I know Jimmy's walked through that, let's get him, you know? Like, I love to connect people to others who can help them find those answers, because they've been through it, or they're kind of like an expert in those different thoughts and fields. And so just becoming connectors, again, grace, right? I think sometimes when we don't know the answer is when we get the most angry, you know, and we start reaching for stuff, and we start lashing out because we don't know what else to say it's just very simple like oh you know who knows probably answer that question or i'll get back to you i think those are really great ways to respond so paul's really shown us a whole attitude to have as we deal with people who don't know jesus and again remember the heart it's because god's changed our lives he's done so much that we want to share what he's done with us with others now paul's about to transition to the end and the closing of this letter and that's like a little bit of a hard thing to preach through, you know? It's like the closing of the letter. Like he starts naming names, and he starts like sending greetings to and from. And it's a little bit like, how do I preach through this outside of just reading it? And so I, I'm sitting there working on this, and I just prayed. I'm like, God, if there's a connection between what we just read and the closing of this letter and these names, just lead me to it. And I feel like he did. 
Because here's what I realized as I was reading through this list of names, many of which you won't recognize, is that every single one of them was an outsider, but now they're an insider. Like every one of them, it's not just random, like, oh, say goodbye to Onesimus and say goodbye to Justice sends his greetings. And it's like, no, these are people who once were out there not knowing Jesus and he opened the door of their heart. And listen, this is important. Everybody look at me real quick. One of them is a kid or a son, I should say, which means he's second generation, which means God began to move in the life of the dad and then reached the son. Some of us have kids far from Jesus, grandkids far from Jesus. So we'll be encouraged by this. One of them ran from his faith or at least the church or at least the church leaders at a time. You know anybody who's run from God right now? You know anybody, maybe here in the room, you're like, oh, I'm running from God right now. Okay, so we'll speak to you. You know anybody religious? Because there is a real religious guy in this list. There's a whole bunch of people who once were outsiders and God transformed their heart into insiders. So let's learn a little bit about these guys as we close out this letter. It says in Colossians 4, and these are some funny names, so if I say I'm wrong, you can laugh at point. That's okay. All right, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about your circumstances or our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Well, who's Tychicus? He was the apostle that Paul was, or not the apostle, I'm sorry. He was the guy, the missionary that Paul was sending the book or the letter of Colossians with to give to them. So he's like this delivery person, right? And his name is mentioned five times in the New Testament, and he's always mentioned with Paul as a faithful servant of the Lord. And so here's an outsider that got saved and turned into an insider, and God used him mightily. That should encourage you, because every single person you know that doesn't know Jesus has a closed door, just like Tychicus did, and God opened it. That encourages me. Every single one of us here were once far from Jesus, and he drew us in. Right? He did a miracle in our heart. He opened the door. It goes on. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will teach you everything that is happening here. Who was Onesimus? Well, he was also with Tychicus carrying this letter to the Colossians. And you know what's pretty cool? These two guys also, theologians say, carried the book of Ephesians and the book of Philemon. They brought these letters on their way, too. So they're just delivering parts of the scriptures, right, without even knowing it, to the Ephesians, the Colossians, and to Philemon. Like, that's incredible. And who was Onesimus? Well, he had been a slave. Listen, he'd been a slave in Colossae. He moved to Rome, met Paul, God opened the door of his heart, and he became a follower of Jesus and now partnered with Paul. Do you know anybody who's just kind of like on the run? Anybody who's kind of like, I don't know where to go in life? That's Onesimus. And God reached him. God opened the door. What an encouragement. It goes on. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark. Everybody say Mark. It's an important one. Just a minute. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, you have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so who's Aristarchus? Well, he had traveled several places with Paul, sharing the message. Another outsider turned into an insider. But who's Mark? Well, Mark, this is incredible, was on a trip with Paul and Barnabas, and he abandoned them. You know anybody who abandoned the people of God? I don't know if Mark completely lost his faith, but he ran on that missionary journey. He took off to the point that Paul and Barnabas had an argument in the future about if they should bring him again. Barnabas says yes. Paul says no. And then Paul and Barnabas split for a time. You know anybody who has need of a restoration in a relationship within the church? Because that's Mark and that's Paul and that's Barnabas. And what I love about this story 
is that now in the letter to the Colossians, Paul is saying, oh, welcome Mark, by the way. Welcome him in because God's restored him to relationship with Jesus and with us. And I don't know if the name Mark sounds familiar, but it kind of sounds to me like the second book of the New Testament because that's what Mark went on to write. Can you imagine Paul and Barnabas when Mark had run and abandoned them thinking, oh yeah, he's going to write the very words of scripture someday. No way. Do you have a kid or a grandkid that you're thinking, man, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to walk with the Lord. I don't know. Man, pray for them. Pray for the open door. Mark is proof that God brings great restoration. Keep praying. Warren Wearsby says this. Read it with me. Mark is an encouragement to everyone who has failed in his attempts to serve God. He did not sit around and sulk. He got back into the ministry and proved himself to be faithful to the Lord and to the apostle Paul. It goes on. Verse 11. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they've proved a comfort to me. We know Paul's ministry was largely to the Gentiles. Here's a Jew that transformed into an insider Christian, and that encourages me. Does anybody know anybody on the island who's really religious and doesn't want anything to do with the relationship with Jesus? Well, it's all over the island, isn't it? And so does that encourage you today, that God opens the doors of the hearts of people who are really religious into people who know Jesus. It goes on, Epaphras, who was one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. As I said, I know you always remember everything I say. So in part one, you'll remember we read these very verses about Epaphras wrestling in prayer for the people in Colossae. It says that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Now, Epaphras, we know, was the pastor at Colossae at one point, and it looks like he was to Laodicea and Hierapolis as well. And so here's God using an outsider turning into a pastor, right? And then it says this, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Luke was a great asset Everybody know Luke was a doctor, right? Does anybody know what else Luke was? He was a what? Anybody know? He was a historian. Anybody know what I mean? Intelligent that doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with Jesus? Like, oh, I'm into science. I'm into intellectual stuff. And I just wrap my mind around all this stuff. That's Luke. In fact, Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And it says that he researched everything for himself from the beginning. His scientific mind, his research, historical mind, intelligence was at work. And God opened the door of his heart through his understanding and research of what really happened. He's going, wait a minute. They're saying Jesus came back from the dead. If that's something they're claiming, I'm going to research that thing. And he researched it to the point that his life was transformed. And he wrote the third Gospel. And he wrote the book of Acts. Anybody know anybody smart? Like they're never going to come to Jesus. They're so into like intellectual stuff, and they're not going to be a person of faith. We'll see what God did in Luke, how powerful. And then Demas. Demas wasn't a success story. You're like, well, why are you bringing him up then? Because I think many of us stopped sharing our faith because there was a Demas in our life. I think a lot of us had invested in somebody, and we prayed for them and maybe we led them to Jesus or we brought them to church and they got saved and they were in a community group and they were on the team and they were and then all of a sudden they they ran I think that made us because it hurts it hurts right you love that person you cared for them you you poured your life into them and now they just took off I think that makes us recoil a lot if, I just tell you if you got a demon in your life don't pull back don't pull back no keep allowing God to use you keep allowing God to use you see see Paul here, lost Demas, and I think sometimes we think, well, I guess I did it wrong. I guess, had I um, been a better Christian, had I 
you know, discipled them better, had I led them better, had I prayed for them more, had I done all these things, maybe Demas wouldn't have ran. But Paul lost Demas, and Paul was like raising people from the dead in the name of Jesus. And so if it happened to Paul, it's going to happen to us. Don't let it make you recoil. Keep sharing your faith. And then Paul, let's fly through this last little bit, says in verse 15 and beyond, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, I think this is so cool, by the way, see to it that you also read the church of the Laodiceans and that in turn, uh, I messed that whole verse up as I read it. Let me try again. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. He's like, swap letters, guys. I want you to both see what I wrote to each other. And he says, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. Archippus was likely the current leader at the Colossian church. And listen, he's the son of Philemon. And here's God moving in the generations. Anybody got a kid far from Jesus? Anybody got a grandkid far from Jesus? Here's God moving in the generations. I get excited when God starts moving in the generations. And there's young people sitting in the front row. How cool is that? See, I like to see God doing that new thing. And so if you got somebody in your family far from Jesus, be encouraged by what we see here because God reaches generations. And the last verse of the book of Colossians, six weeks it took us to get through. Verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting. In my own hand, remember my chains, grace, be with you. End of the letter. What do we see here today? I think we see here that God wants every one of us to lovingly share the hope of Jesus. Every one of us. Don't avoid. Don't get scandalized by behavior or thought processes. Don't become the moral police. Don't live so much like everybody else that there's no difference between you and them. No, let's Live a different life in love and let's be wise and let's season in grace on top of grace on top of grace and let's make the most of every opportunity and let's pray for open doors and let's begin to just share Jesus' story plus my story. Jesus' story plus my story is the starting point and the way that I can begin the conversation and let's take those moments when we have the opportunity to pray for somebody or share our faith or talk to the Verizon guy or whatever it might be. Let's, let's make the most of those opportunities. And you know what is so exciting is when, when a few hundred of us start to all do this, it kind of catches. You know, people start to come in going, wow, I got to pray for uh, somebody at the grocery store this week and I got my, my, my boss, I got to share with my boss. A lady in the hallway on the way out today pulled me aside and said, Doug, everything you're saying hits home so much because I had been estranged from my brother for 20 years and I just recently heard that he's coming to Long Island in August and he wants to come to church with us. Like 20 years, she said. I thought it was done. She, she was kind of like laughing. Like I, was, I had zero faith, but someone recently began to tell me, pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. And now God's bringing about this potential restoration, right? And so, man, we just keep on praying and we keep on going. We keep on shining brightly. This is our job. Imagine an athlete who doesn't play sports, right? No, that's his job. Imagine a musician who doesn't play music. No, that's their job. This is our job, church. This is who we are. We lovingly share the hope of Jesus. I want you to think about the person that first introduced you to Jesus. Who was that? Was it your parent? Was it a friend? Was it your spouse? Was it somebody here that brought you to church with them? Who was it? And imagine if they hadn't. Imagine if they let that stupid thing that we allow us to stop us so many times, that, that feeling afraid or like we're going to look dumb or we don't know what to say. Like, guys, hundreds of lives here today and online represented people who said, no, I'll pray for you. 
No, I'll, I'll bring you to church. No, I'll, I'll tell you in love that, man, that, the way you're thinking is way off. But I'm going to tell you in love, and let's have a conversation, not a screaming match, a conversation about why Jesus is the answer and why that's not working, right? Just a whole different attitude and approach. Who was that for you? Let's be that for others now. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you're hearing about a great God who loves us and changes us. Not outward restriction, inside transformation. He wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you so much. He died for you. He rose from the dead. And he now wants to live life with you and you with him. If you want to put your trust in him, I'd love for you to pray with me in just a minute. But remember, Paul closed the book of Colossians saying, let's talk about how we treat outsiders. Let it be full of grace. Let us be wise. And let's make the most of every opportunity. And pray the doors of their heart would be open. God wants every one of us to lovingly share the hope of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you asking for just such an urgency, God, like, like, a, like a hunger, Jesus, to really share the love of Christ with those in our lives. And God, there are so many different things coming at us in culture today, and, and it's, it's less and less popular to say you follow Jesus and belong to a church family. And, but God, this means we need to be shining even brighter, Lord. And so would you help us in this hour, God? So if you're a follower of Jesus, if I could just ask you for a minute to pray for some specific people in your life. Would you pray? Get some faces in your mind for a minute. Get some names in your head for a minute. I want you to pray for those people for the next few minutes that God will open the door of their heart and that he'll give you the strength and the boldness and the timing to, to share his story plus your story. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I'd love for you to pray with me now. You can pray something like this just quietly. Jesus, thank you so much that you died for me to remove all of my sin make me yours. Thank you so much for this amazing gift. Show me how close you are. Show me how real you are. And I thank you that you want a relationship with me. You're so good to me. Thank you.